honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Hey everybody, uh, this is Aaron from Fire Mountain. It looks like I've got a couple people on the line. This is a live call uh, with uh, families from our treatment center families. Uh, this is our, I try to make it every two weeks. It doesn't always happen that way, coaching call uh, where we address some uh, topics and issues um, that we all are facing here. I do record the calls. I do release them as podcasts, so if you do, uh, when I do ask for questions and you have a question, uh, please don't reference your child by first and last name, first names only, if you feel you need to use your child's name at all. Um, and of course, these are always recorded and edited, so names can be edited out, so don't worry about uh, slips, uh, slip ups and stuff like that. So what I'm going to do is uh, get started talking about what changes when and uh, address the issues not only of uh, just brain development when things change, uh, but but also when we have delayed development and and what happens when things aren't changing and they're behind schedule or they're supposed to they're supposed to have already changed they're supposed to have already gone into uh, some different kind of process and they're not they're still uh, acting like a little kid um, and certainly with dysfunction which a lot of the kids that we work with at Fire Mountain are dealing with and with trauma and with uh, depression and anxiety, um, with uh, drug abuse and self-harm issues, there are delays in development. And it's one of the primary reasons that families come to uh, Fire Mountain is that these delays in development are beginning to cause problems in the family. They, they may be 14, but throwing a fit like a two-year-old. So that's gonna be addressed. There's also another piece that has to be addressed for parents. And it's a piece that I am uh, experiencing currently. Um, I have my nephew with me and he's been up here working uh, for the past few days. He's 14 years old. Um, he's very much like a kid from our family. And uh, I, in working with him and watching him do jobs around, I'm seeing, Huey family traits, uh, traits I'm, I'm seeing my brother in him, I'm seeing myself in him, I'm seeing my other brother in him, I'm seeing the things that a 14 year old kid does, I'm seeing normal things, 
And it's so frustrating at times. And I forgot. My kids are 22 and 23 years old. I forgot. I see how functional they are. Um, I know how functional I wasn't at 22 and 23. But I can't sit here and tell you that I remember being a 14-year-old. I can't remember being that dysfunctional, incompetent, brilliant, beautiful, perfect, crazy, hormonal, amazing, wide-eyed, curious, just focus and get the job done. I just, it's, I did, I forgot. I forgot. It, it, my, like I said, my kids are 22 and 23 years old. I can't remember seven years ago. I can't remember eight years ago. I don't, I don't remember my kids. That, I know they did because it's normal. I'm looking at what my nephew's doing. It's totally normal. And, uh, I, I, so that's a piece I want to address. I want to address the normal stuff that we think, what is it about us as parents that we think that these kids should be farther along than they are? And what is normal? What if we've been punishing our kid for doing something that's developmentally appropriate? And what, what if our child has developmental delays and we're expecting them to be a normal 14-year-old or at least a functional 14-year-old and they're still acting like a 12-year-old. Are they acting like a healthy 12-year-old? Is it is 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 at least that part being being taken care of? Listen, this all became very fascinating to me many many years ago when we had a young man join us in the facility um, from Canada, and he had been homeless for a while. He had, and he came in, he was very malnourished. Uh, his head was much bigger than the rest of his body. Um, he had grown on the age of seven to the age of 12 in a orphanage in Russia. Before that, he had been raising his two young toddler brothers uh, because his father had taken the sister and left because the father found out that while this father had been off uh, uh, working as a truck driver, had been sleeping around and had multiple children from other other men. The mother was a drug addict. And this is a horrible life. This mother neglected these three children, these two toddlers and this young boy. The father took the sister and left. So he was uh, abandoned by his, uh, uh, the person he thought was the father. The mother sank into such a deep and dark depression that the mayor of the town took the kids out of the home and put them in an orphanage. Now to make matters worse, while he was in the orphanage, he was abused horrendously, horrid, horrid abuse. And then his two younger brothers were adopted because they were still very young and very cute. And he was old. He was going to get caught up in the system. But Russia had changed the laws and said, you got to take all three of them. Now, this happened around the time that that woman had adopted that kid and the kid was acting out. So she taped a note to him and shipped him back to Russia and said, take him back. But terrible story. But Russia had, had started to protect itself from things happening like that, um, protecting children from things happening like that. So now here's this kid who has had this horrid life. His adoptive parents really, quite frankly, didn't want him. They wanted his cuter, younger brothers. Um, while the kid was in treatment, the parents moved to another country and did not tell us. This was a shit show. It, it, to, to, to be blunt, this was a terrible, terrible situation from beginning to end. So we have this kid in the facility. 
14 years old. His gaps in development were so trying. He was still nine. There's a theory that when you're traumatized, that you will lock into an emotional response based on the age you were traumatized at. So when you see a kid who's trauma and suddenly they revert back to a toddler, you can, you can start to deduce and deduct when they were traumatized by how old they act when they are responding to a traumatic uh, trigger. So the other side of this is that our therapist began to recognize this boy's developmental gaps. And so what we did is we went back and we filled in the gaps. For example, I remember walking by one of the windows and I looked in and this young man and the therapist were laying on their bellies on the floor coloring, on coloring pages. And this is a 14 year old boy, mind you, he's trying to be cool, he listens to gangster rap, he had gotten all into drugs and blah, blah, blah. But here he is laying on the floor with this counselor and he's holding a crayon in his fist. He's not even holding it correctly. And he's yapping away, just yapping away, and he's scribbling back and forth over the lines of the picture, just like a little child would color. And he's just talking, and he's coloring. And the therapist is listening and responding and coloring, and at the end, they talk about what they drew and stuff like that. We went to what, what's called a sober rave. Avani Dilger out of Boulder runs these sober raves uh, through natural highs. And so all the teens who just want to stay sober, they go and they do these giant dance parties. And so we would take, we still do, take all the kids to these sober parties. Um, and the uh, this kid found a swaddle swing. And this is a type of swing that they put kids with autism in. Now, this was a big giant warehouse type facility that they do gymnastics in. And we'd set up a big sound system and everything. But this kid for the entire night sat in this swaddle swing and two of my staff members pushed him back and forth in this gigantic swinging across this warehouse. And this 14 year old kid who is so desperate to be cool is going, we, we, yay, again, again. And what was really cool about Avani's group and, and a real shout out to Avani Dilger and the Natural Highs program out of Boulder. They, these, these kids are amazing. The leadership team is incredible. They just dance and let this kid have his day. They let him have his experience. Now, why it brought up the coloring thing and the swinging thing is because these are things he never did as a child. And because of all the trauma, there were developmental gaps. And before we could ever expect him to act like a 14-year-old, we had to fill in the gaps of the five-year-old and the three-year-old. No father had ever taken him and tossed him up in the air and caught him and taught him how to, how to have spatial awareness. I was working up in Canada with this little kid and he had grown up without a father. And these were our little kid warrior camps. They're really just very active, very physical, rough and tumble camps. And uh, this little kid's uh, mom was very much into yoga and very peace and constantly questioning me on everything I was teaching the kids and doing. Kids are throwing axes. Why do they have to throw axes? Well, they're learning distancing. They're learning targeting. Why do they need that? Because people throw things on and on and on. And finally, I, I was talking to the mothers. I was watching the kid run around and the kid had no balance. And I said, have you ever held him upside down? And she goes, no. And I said, watch this. And I grabbed the kid who was sitting in front of me now and I held him up upside down by his ankles and he froze and he freaked out and he started going ah, ah, ah. and I just held him and I started swinging him back and forth 
And it took about 15 seconds before his shoulders relaxed and his belly relaxed and his legs relaxed and his arms relaxed. And then he was giggling and then he was laughing and he was saying higher and more. When the father, and I know this drives mothers crazy a lot, but when the father or the mother throws the child up in the air and the kid screams and giggles and then the, they're caught by the parent, they learn spatial awareness. And that's actually a developmental piece that must be done. A lot of parents don't know that at the age of 18 months and again at 14 years old, the child must physically connect with the biological father for proper brain development. So any kid, and remember, I, if, if any of you know my backstory, I had a really awesome dad. I had a great dad. He was not my father. He was not my biological father. And so there was some developmental issues that came about not having that physical contact. The reason why I'm bringing all this up is because it's important for us to see how easily developmental delays or gaps can appear. It's not a no-brainer. And if one appears, of course, that can create a domino effect. If there's one developmental delay or one gap, all of a sudden, because they stop doing one thing, they're not going to do other things that may create more development. So let's talk about some of the things that take place, say, 11 to 14 years old, okay, on a cognitive level. This is where formal operations, like uh, uh, precursors into early adolescence, the types of things you think you're going to see when the kid turns into a teen, right? We're still talking about that tween, that 11, 12, 13, 14, that's still into the tween phase. But this is just where they begin to think hypothetically. Now, no, we're talking about 11 to 14 year old girls and 12 to 15-year-old boys. In everything we talk about, remember that boys delay slower than girls. Boys should, boys, <laughs> girls are like two hours ahead on the grand evolutionary time clock, all right? And where, where a, a woman's brain will stop developing around 25, they are showing research now that a boy's brain does not stop developing till he is 30. It was 27, 28. Now they're saying, you know what? It's even going into 30. They're still acting like boys. I was talking about this at a graduation the other day, and some of my staff are still in their mid-20s, and I'm telling this girl that's graduating, don't date boys, and boys last till 30. And these guys are like, thanks, Aaron. <laughs> but it's true. We're still in a developmental phase. All right. So this is this for, for girls 11 to 14 and boys 12 to 15. This is just where hypothetical thinking can begin. This is where they can begin very basic calculating consequences of thoughts and actions without experiencing them. This is just the beginning. This is where they begin to consider a number of possibilities and plan behaviors accordingly. It just starts here. Think of how many years of life experience it takes to be able to weigh, number one, all the option, and number two, all of the consequences. And as adults, oh, when, when a kid does something stupid, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, well, didn't you think about the consequences? The answer is no. They don't know all of the consequences. They haven't experienced all the consequences. You have. You're 40. 
You've seen it. You've seen hundreds of people go through all kinds of consequences. You've watched it on the news. Our experience of consequences and choices is so much broader than theirs. 11 to 14, this is where it begins. I'm watching my nephew and he does something. I'm like, didn't you, in, in my mind, I'm like, didn't you think about that? Didn't you? One of the things that I noticed as, as I was being in a reactive versus a responsive mode, right? It's always my goal to become responsive rather than reactive. But I would set him off on a chore. Hey, go weed whack over there. I was trying to get the driving mower ready for him to drive and the belt broke. And so we were always busy taking the belt off. And every five minutes he would stop weed whacking and come over and help. And myself and, and my buddy Shane, we're working on the lawnmower. We both change belts, but it's taken two people to figure out the gears and how to get this off. And here's this 14-year-old kid standing there hanging out with us. And I keep sending him back and I keep sending him back. And I forgot how many thousands of years the children learned by watching the adults do. And it's only been in the last few hundred years that the children are supposed to learn by what the adults say. We are designed to learn by watching do, not hearing say. So they watch do and then they emulate. We tell them all these experiences that they're going to have if they do it right and all these consequences they're going to get if they do it wrong. But we learn that through experience. I challenge any parent ever listening to a podcast or being at a parent weekend to tell me one thing they learned from a lecture that their parents gave them. When they had done something stupid, bad, wrong, weird, upsetting, not normal, and the parent sits them down and gives them a talking to, what did you learn? At very best, I've had a parent say, I learned not to do it so I didn't have to go through the lecture again. <laughs> and that's it. That's the best we can hope for. But what do we learn by watching consequences? Both of my kids manage money better, not because of how I taught them how to manage money, but by watching my wife and I go into bankruptcy in 2009. That's how they learned about managing finances. They watched us screw it up and then fix it. So it's going to be watching us do, not hearing us say. So when it's time and we're going to, the biggest thing is don't solve the problem for them and, and, and quit, quit telling them everything that's going to go wrong. The only time you should intervene is life and limb anyway. Everything else, let nature teach. Let nature teach. Let nature teach. If it's life and limb, that's not what I'm talking about. All bets are off. You get in there, you intervene, you intercept, you interrupt. You that's that's the time that you you take over and say, "Sorry, child. Your your life and limb is on the line now. It's my job as an adult." Rest of the time, we gotta let we gotta let consequences. It's it's what I call Taco Bell manager. Treat your kid like the Taco Bell manager is gonna treat him. All right. This is where thinking logically at that at that 11 to 15 girls and boys. This is where thinking logically, which means identifying and rejecting hypotheses or possible outcomes based on logic. The key word is not logic i'm sorry it's not identifying and rejecting it's not hypotheses or outcome it's logic we're not talking about an adult's logic we're talking about a child's logic and, and a child's logic can be summed up and i saw this years and years ago and it cracked me up but it also made me realize the the, the children we have in our facility and how they think uh, this girl was asked by a doctor um, are you sexually active 
And the girl said, yes. And the doctor said, would you like to talk about uh, birth control? And the girl said, well, no, because birth control pills make you fat and I don't want to get fat. And the doctor said, you mean like getting pregnant? And that's when we, when we talk about logic, we're talking about the logic of a child, not the logic of an adult. Ad ad adults develop through children's logic, and that's trial and error failure and success. It's not wins and losses, it's wins and lessons, people. So this is where thinking logically begins. This is where thinking hypothetically and abstractly it begins. This is where thinking about thought, this is where introspection just begins. And because in early childhood, because it, at, at school age, right, at, at, at elementary school age, all of your self-identity is based on what other people say about you. That's not middle school, that's elementary school. Middle school is introspective thought. And so if all you have is what's happened to you in middle school, and that sucks, your introspection's already going to be askew. That's what I mean by how trauma can create delays that create delays that create delays that creates trauma. They, parents always say, is it neurological? Is it environmental? And by environmental, I mean, is it their environment that's caused the problem? It doesn't matter. One will ultimately lead to another. You do enough drugs, it's going to create developmentally issues. You have enough developmental issues, it's going to create a craving for drugs. So it's chicken and egg crap there. This is where insight, perspective taking, understanding and considering other people's perspectives and perspectives of social systems just begins. This is where systematic problem solving begins. But before you can solve problems, you have to learn how to solve problems. One of the biggest gaps we have in our education process is not teaching children emotional intelligence, but they are expected to solve emotional problems all day long. They're bombarded at school with not only the emotional problems, but then all the intellectual problems. And they get on their social media and it's all emotional problems. You wonder why they go on YouTube and watch other people play video games. It's the same reason why adults sit down and binge watch Game of Thrones. It shuts your brain off finally. So this is where cognitive development is uneven and is impacted by emotionality. Cognitive development is uneven and it's impacted by emotionality. This is why at Fire Mountain, we have such a big process, a, a big thing called Mind the Gap. Our clinical program is based on a Mind the Gap concept. Because a 12 to 15 year old, 11 to 15 year old boy or girl has an uneven cognitive development that will be impacted by emotions. You have to show them, you have to get them to understand that there's a gap between how you feel and what you do. Children don't have that gap. Adults are supposed to, and we're watching a lot of adults act like, Ooh, a lot of bad words almost just came out of my mouth. And uh, adults are supposed to have a gap. We are supposed to have a gap between what we feel and what we do. Somewhere in there, there's supposed to be a thought process. And it doesn't always exist. 
So I'm going to uh, take off the mute for a second. I'm going to ask for any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, clarifications. We have a ton more to talk about, um, including some of the things that we can do to allow uh, that brain to uh, take charge so the parent isn't having to take charge of all of the issues. We can let the child's brain start to take charge again and actually develop there is a way to kick this development into play. They do it here all day long. These kids' brains are working so hard. All right, so I'm gonna take it off. If anybody has any questions, now's your time. Okay, let's talk about, uh, we're still in our 12 to 14. This consciousness around physical appearance and earlier late development, okay? Body image is rarely objective at this phase. Remember, they're just coming off of everything they are is what other people have told them. That is your entire childhood. Oh, you're being such a good boy. Oh, your mommy's little sweetheart. Oh, your daddy's little girl. Oh, you're you're such a good girl. Oh, you're you're you know, don't be bad, don't be mean. Oh, you're making me so angry. Oh, that's a that's a nasty face. Don't cross your eyes. It'll stay that way. Whatever we're telling these little kids. That's their identity. That's all they have to go off of. And now all of a sudden, this we're telling them you shouldn't care what other people think. That's all their brains were capable of doing. Up and for 13 years, if you do something every day for 13 years, how fast can you let it go? And now all of a sudden we're telling these kids, listen, stop caring what other people think about you. Other kids, it's just middle school. Wait, don't worry, it'll fall off with high school. Let's go out jogging. All they are is what other people say they are. But now all of a sudden, this self-consciousness that's rarely objective, it's negatively affected by physical and sexual abuse, emotional, uh, uh, um, it's, it's emotionally liable. Uh, it may overreact to parent questions and criticisms. I have an episode um, with Carmen Cool it, uh, on one of the podcasts on Beyond Risk and Back. Carmen Cool is one of the, the greatest, uh, most amazing women who helps kids with uh, 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 body image issues. And my daughter went to see her. And I remember when it started for my daughter. And one of the, the catalysts for us was me telling my daughter that uh, she wasn't injured. She was um, out of shape. Man, I, I can... I can still picture her face when I said that we were on a hike and she was just complaining and complaining. My legs hurt, my, my legs hurt. I said, you're not injured, you're out of shape. There's a look on her face and I, man, did I hammer something home right there? And it was the worst thing to hammer home. And it was the absolute opposite of what I think of this beautiful, beautiful little being. And it, it created some issues. There were other things going on, but man, that was one that dad added to that one. And she went and saw Carmen Cool. And if, if you, if your children are having issues with body image, listen to the podcast with Carmen Cool and connect with Carmen Cool. She is a brilliant, brilliant woman. Shout out to Carmen Cool. Ugh. So this is, uh, this is also from this 12 to 14. This is where kids are beginning to engage in activities for intense emotional experiences. That's a rush. That's a rush. I still do that. I mean, we. I, I I was lifting weights this morning and I'm pulling and I feel the pain that's, that's in, the, in my shoulders. And I, I'm like, man, six more. 
and and all next thing you know i can feel my body is just the adrenaline and the and my body's locking into it and i finished that that set of 12 and i was like oh my god i could climb a mountain right now i have a broken foot currently and and it, the, the rush was not so and this is where kids are starting to realize they can get that experience. So this is where the risky behavior and the, the blatant rejections of parental standards are going to start. This is where they reject you. And this is where parents start to double down on the value system. And it's the dumbest mistake we make as parents. We double down repeating and lecturing something that they've grown up with for 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years. We have been raising our children with our value system. They know it. You don't do something daily for 13 years and then all of a sudden have to be reminded. <laughs> you know it. So this is this is where, because there's a, a the abstract and the objective concept of self begins, this is also where the rejection of other people's opinions just begins. But it's still it's still in a very fledgling age. So this is also now from 15 to 17. So we're moving forward a little bit. This is where the examination of other people's values, beliefs uh, begins. This is where they start to look at other systems. This is why having your children with other mentors is so important. As much of a, a helicopter drill sergeant uh, uh, at, at my best, uh, um, a consultant parent, to my own kids, one thing my wife and I did very well is get our kids out with other adults, finding other mentors that we trusted. We vetted. Oh, we vetted them. But our kids had other mentors, other adults in the community, coaches, ministers, um, Avani Dilger, Carmen Cool. Uh, we, we had my son. We got my son a driving instructor. He had a drum teacher. Um you know, my, my daughter uh, traveled with uh, with other groups who were led by other women, rites of passage programs. This is very important because if they are going to be examining other value systems, you can have some input to that. But remember, they're also going to examine other kids' value systems. And remember that value systems are the way that we get needs met. And they will perceive other kids getting needs met that they don't through their behaviors. So if your child is not getting their needs met, they are going to look at other kids that they perceive are getting those needs met and replicate what they do. So please remember, I hate saying this, but it's so dang true. When you say, I don't like my kid hanging out with that group of friends, those kids' parents are saying that about your kid because your kid is part of that group of friends. Please remember that. Have have compassion. This is where um, additional struggles with identity, uh, racial status, being adopted, being a child, uh, being gay, lesbian, transgender, gender neutral, bi. Uh, this, is, this is where these things come into play. And it's intense. It's intense. So then that's what's supposed to be happening during that age. And we talked about how it can be delayed. We, we talked about, you know, how things can um, can get hijacked, right? If, if a need does not get met as a child, then these, these developmental landmarks, they can get hijacked. So let's talk about real quick about what happens beyond. 
like I said, brains don't stop developing. They go all the way into the 20s and ending at the end of their 20s. So if that brain's still developing, what's happening then that we think? This is where we think our kids should be doing so much better than they do. They, we, we think they should understand more about the world. Don't you see? Don't you get it? Don't you understand? What were you thinking? They weren't. Not like an adult. I'm, you cannot think like a child anymore. Do you realize that? You cannot put yourself into their shoes. Then how long ago was it? And how little part of our life was the part about being young? And we wanted so desperately to be old then. And now once, once you hit that, that 30 mark, <laughs> all you wish is you had some time to go back or it wasn't moving so fast. And all of a sudden you're 50 and you're like, and my body's falling apart. And for 30 years, you've been an adult. Well, I, more than that, right? Because we say when you hit 18. I, I picked up my daughter, daughter from one of her college classes the other day. And I was sitting in the library parking lot. And I'm watching these adults walk by my car. These aren't adults. And if anybody's listening who's still in college and you're listening to this podcast, I'm not insulting you. I'm just telling you that when you when you get my age and you see a 22, 23-year-old, 24-year-old, you're not an adult yet. Not yet. And the developmental issues, the developmental patterns, the developmental landmarks that are going on in your brain are a testimony to that. Now, okay, you can own a gun and you can vote and you can drink and you can almost rent a car. I don't think any adult would look back at their 20s and say, yep, I had it all put together. I, quite frankly, if I don't think I can look back at my 40s and think that, but that's, that's beyond the point. Our brains are still developing in our 20s. The area of the brain that constant, uh, the area of the brain that continues to mature through young adulthood is responsible for the sort of self-control that helps ma us make thoughtful decisions, delay gratification and rein in risk-taking. That's still developing in our 20s. Honest to God, folks, I didn't get sober till I was 28. And I woke up when I was 28 years old and I was like, holy crap, there's a whole world out here. Lots of people. And my actions have been, I've been really affecting a lot of people. 28. Risk-taking, delayed gratification. Oh, just wait, it'll get better. If you haven't, as a parent, if you have not watched the marshmallow study, watch it. Go on to to YouTube and 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 put in the the search bar marshmallow study. It is a brilliant, brilliant study about delayed gratification and development. It's incredible. In your twenties, we don't develop delayed gratification thoughtful decisions where we really think about is it is it harming anyone is this thing i'm going to do actually going to cost anybody anything and when a kid say you know uh, cutting myself is a victimless crime smoking marijuana is a victimless crime you can throw facts at them like hey actually in colorado where it's legal our human trafficking trade has shot through the roof because of illegal grow ops for export so it does harm people. It actually harms a lot of people. And it's continuing one of the most evil empires that exists today. But that's not something that is actually going to uh, really affect 
someone in their teens. That conversation won't land because the brain isn't developed. And with the internet, smartphones, 24-7 connectivity that's available to everyone, the developing brain is already overloaded by information. Oh, I got a little side point. I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna bring this up again at the Parents Weekend and on, on other podcasts, but I have read a fascinating study that's based on a theory about adolescent depression. And that's the body posture of the hunch that people are saying that when you hunch down, you're only able to access the limbic system of your brain. And because we're only able to access the limbic system, the lowest part of the brain near the back of the neck, we're not using a prefrontal cortex, the most thoughtful part of our brain. And that's what's causing depression is the posture that children are sitting in. It's an amazing thing. And I really hope to see a lot more studies on it. Okay, back out of ADHD land and back on track. One of the breakthroughs that they have in recent brain research involves neuroplasticity. That means the ability for the brain to change in response to experiences that's happening. So think of the brain like any muscle, right? The more you use it, the stronger it gets. So the more ways a young adult, uh, uh, the more things that a young adult experiences, the more their brain exercises. By offering more ways for your young adult to exercise their decision-making skills and impulse control, you are offering more ways for them to build brain strength. Here's a very simple human layman way of saying what I just said. Don't solve the problem for them. We could not hammer this home. It is one of the best things that our staff at Fire Mountain do. It's one of the best things that my, my wife and I have been able to do with our kids is that if the problem is not a life and limb problem, we don't solve it. Okay, that's a, that sometimes we do. And, 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 I have to say with a 22 and a 23 year old, when my wife and I get crunchy with each other, or we argue about parenting things. It's usually come from one of us and I will absolutely point the finger at myself as readily and happily as I would at my wife, which is often. I'm trying to solve a problem. I don't want my, I don't want my kids hurt. So I'll, I'll come in for the save and I rob them of an opportunity to develop their brain. Don't solve the problem for them. Let the world teach your kid. Let the world teach your kid. It's how you learned. You didn't get into to college because you, you were late on your application process or you procrastinated. But then mom comes in and does it for you. You, you, you overdraw your credit card and our creditors are handing you. So dad throws you some money. Don't tell your mom. You're stealing from your children the opportunity for them to have such a hard lesson, such a powerful lesson, such a massive lesson, maybe a life-changing lesson because we don't want them to be uncomfortable. Man, especially with neuroplasticity that's still, still so potent in the 20s. One of the biggest differences researchers have found between adults and adolescents is in the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of the brain still developing in teens, and it doesn't complete its growth until approximately mid-20s. And that's where goal-setting skills live. We want our kids to make a plan. We want them to have some goals. Have you thought about what you're doing in college? It's such a dangerous conversation. It's a setup for failure. 
not because they haven't thought about it. And this is what I was talking about in the beginning. Are there times as parents that we come in and we set expectations on our kids based on our experience of life? When the majority of our life experience has been with a fully developed brain. And we're expecting them and sometimes even punishing them. Sometimes even punishing them through lectures, through disgruntled uh, uh, looks for not doing something that they're not capable of doing. I think the biggest con conversation that you should have with your parenting partners, with your therapists, with your teachers, is that when your kid is doing something stupid, is it willingness or capability? Is this all they're willing to do? Is this all they're willing to think about? Or is this all they're capable of doing? How bad is it if we were to look back and realize that we've been punishing our kids for not doing something that they're not capable of doing? I, I've had to look down that barrel for my own kids. You should use a daytimer. And let me tell you, listen, I'm a daytimer fanatic. I'm My elbow is resting on my daytimer. I have built my own daytimer because I have not found a Franklin Covey or the, the, the daytimer calendars that you can buy anything at any place. I've never found a daytimer that can compete with how I need to organize my brain and my life and my day. But I'm almost 50 to expect my daughter my daughter's running a business. My daughter's going to school full-time. My daughter's in a long-term relationship and they live together. Or to expect my son, who's in college and trying to get a band going, and oh, they're making it up as they go, folks. And they're doing it based on their brain development. We're making it up as we go. If we're really going to be honest with each other as adults, we're making it up as we go. Every last one of us. I truly believe this. But we're doing it with a fully developed brain and 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of life experience, consequences, and options to choose from. And you downloading your options and listing the consequences that are plausible potential to a brain that has just started being objective is futile. So what do we do? We don't solve the problem for them. That's, that's hard because we want them to feel success. We want them to get it right. We want them to do it once and be done the first time. But I sent my nephew back to finish that, <laughs> to finish that weed whacking. I, it had to have been eight times. And I said to him multiple times, if I come over there and look at it with my eyes, will it look done? Yep. And I walk over there. What about this? 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 Do it again. But that's what the manager of Taco Bell is going to do. What I was able to do is do it without anger, to do it without reaction, to do it with love, to do it with empathy and a base understanding. He's, he's not capable of seeing what I see. He would definitely be willing to because this little kid, this 14-year-old kid, he's brilliant. He sees the world with eyes that I could only dream of. Okay, enough wax poetic. Adults are able to process and organize information. 
Adults who are emotionally and psychologically healthy are able to judge risky behavior and factor into decision-making the consequences of their choices. Teens rely more on their amygdala, the part of the brain that deals with emotions, whereas adults are relying on their frontal cortex, leading to balanced thinking and behavior. Why don't teens use their prefrontal cortex? Because it's not done developing. That's my spiel, folks. I'm going to take it off for one more set of questions. If anybody has anything, I would love to answer any questions live. So mics are off mute. Does anyone have any questions, please? Comments, concerns, criticisms, clarifications? No comments, concerns, questions? Nope. I'm just getting a little refresher. Good. Good, good. Okay. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to go ahead and log off. We'll get off a little early today. I've had you for about 45 minutes, so I'm going to let it go today. And uh, we will uh, catch up on the flip side, either at Parent Weekend or on one of the other podcasts. So thank you so much for being online with me, everybody. And uh, we will talk again soon. Remember the rule. Parents, take care of yourself first. Take care of your adult relationships second. Take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I am so grateful for my experience these past couple of days with my 14-year-old nephew. What a teacher. What, a, what an amazing thing. It was the total inspiration to have this conversation with everybody. Okay, thanks, folks. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.